This morning's reading is taken from Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 to 38. Jesus went through all the towns and villages, teaching in their synagogues, preaching the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were harassed and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. Then he said to his disciples, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. This is the word of the Lord. Just going to take a moment to introduce, um, can I say new friend, Neil? Is that all right? I don't know. Amongst, still thinking about it. Still thinking, okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> to be fair, back in January, I completely invaded his conference, like, incognito. There was, like, Aaron from Dorset YSC, who we work alongside with Resound, was like, do you want to come to a, a conference in Blackpool? And I was like, all right. And I snuck in and he let me in. So thank great. you so it's much great. for having us. I was going to pray for you now and for Lovely. just thank to share. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the message that you put on Neil's heart. I thank you for his heart for young people, the way he inspires leaders to continue for, for youth to know who you are. And I pray that he inspires us this morning. I thank you for the good works of last night and working um, in partnership, but that's just one of many stories that he knows. So Father, may you just continue to grow your kingdom through him. Inspire us this morning, I pray, in your wonderful, powerful name. Amen. 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 Thank you, Rob. Well, thank you. It's such a delight to be here. And uh, thank you, Andy, for allowing me to come and uh, be part of this, this morning. And uh, the message that is really on my heart, you might go, well, kind of, does that work for us? We're really into youth ministry. We've really kind of got this nailed. And forgive me if I'm preaching to the converted, but for me, it matters. And therefore, I just can't not share the things that matter to me. And for young people here today, I'm going to be talking about you, but it still applies to you. And so um, I, I, I work for You for Christ. I've been with You for Christ for 30 years in lots of different contexts. I believe in its mission, and uh, I'm just passionate about what we're, we do. And if I were to ask you what is the most important thing on your person right now, you might say your glasses if you wear glasses. You might say your car keys, because I saw all the BMWs and Mercedes. They're all amazing. You might say it's your Rolex watch that you've got on. I don't know what you would say. If you'd ask me, I'd tell you it's my, uh, my wallet, not because it's a fancy wallet, it's not, and uh, it's barely got anything in it, and mainly it's just receipts that I've, I need a hand in. It's so thin, I can't even get the receipts, and the print's gone off it, and all oh, that one's falling apart. So it's not any value in that way. The reason it matters to me is because it holds my business card, and before you think, gosh, what an egoistic person we have here this morning, it's not because it's got my name on it. It's not because of my title. It's what's on the back of it. And what's on the back of it is the tagline of Youth for Christ, which is we're about seeing young people's lives changed by Jesus. We believe that the gospel can change anyone's life if given an opportunity to do so. And we will do everything we can to take this life-changing message to a broken, hurting generation of young people who are desperately in need of hearing about it. That's why it matters. That's why it's important. 
There's a stat that comes out every generation. It says the same thing. Roughly 80% of people who make a decision to follow Jesus do so under the age of 18. And that's like really important to youth ministry and children's work. But the thing we have to remember about that is that the vast majority of those who come to faith under the age of 18 are from church backgrounds. There's a whole lot of young people out there that have never heard about Jesus, have no idea who he is or what difference he makes. And how sad it would be if they never get to hear about him, eh? And so there's a stat, and I got a few stats for you this morning that to start would seem a little depressing and a little low, but hold out there with me if you would. But um, we did some research as Youth for Christ, and we did it in consultation with an external research company. So they, they were good at what they were doing, and we weren't making it up. And uh, it was called Z2A, Faith and Spirituality. And one of the questions we asked is how young people view church. And only, uh, if you can just bring it up for me, only 8% of young people today view church positively. When they look at the institution, they do so with great suspicion because they're uncertain about anything institutional or organizational today. And the church is in that camp. Not this church, of course, but church generally. And then the next one, 51% of all young people today believe in God. That means 49% either aren't sure or they don't. Now, there's a reason behind this, and I'll get into it a bit later, but these stats should just kind of impact us a little bit because there's a whole lot of young people who view the church negatively, and 51% of them only believe in God, and they include all faiths. And so this matters where we're going this morning. In verse 35 of the passage that we just looked at, if you can just bring it up for me, it says, oh, your slides are so much better than mine. But uh, Jesus traveled through all the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogue and announcing the good news about the kingdom. And he healed every kind of disease and illness and sickness. Wherever he went, he was at work. Jesus did not expect people to come to him. He went to them. And when he went to them, he met their needs. Whatever was going on, whatever they were facing, he engaged with them. And I want to show you Sarah, if I may, if you could just bring the next one up for me. Sarah is uh, the, the lady there. She's the director of Haverhill Youth for Christ. And she went into her local school and she said, hey, I've been with Youth for Christ doing the work that we're doing in Haverhill for years and years and years. I've never been into your school. Could I have a presence in your school? And the principal thought about it and said, no. And, and Sarah said, why? And she said, well, because the, the, the behavior of the pupils is so erratic that we can't possibly have uh, 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 people coming from the outside. So Sarah thought for a moment, she said, well, hold on a minute. What if I get a team together and every day we come into your school and we set up a breakfast club and we just feed the students? That's all we'll do. And she thought about it and said, all right, yeah, 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 okay. So Sarah brings in a crew. She feeds, she puts all the food there and she feeds the students. She's got a few the first day, second day there's more, third day there's more. By the end of the week, she's got almost the entire school that's having breakfast in this breakfast club. Two weeks later, the principal asked Sarah to go into her office. Sarah goes in wondering what's going to happen. And the, pupil, and, the, and the principal says, since you came, Sarah, and started feeding the students, their behavior has remarkably changed. What else can you do for us? She's in there every day now. She's doing assembly. She's teaching RE. She's hanging around in the lunch clubs. She's talking about Jesus. But sometimes we just simply need to feed people before we start talking to them about Jesus. There's a need out there, isn't there? And we need to engage young people with it, where they're at and what's going on in their world. And we need to recognize they have needs before we even start talking about who Jesus 
might be. And if we look at verse 36, it goes on and says, uh, when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. And that word compassion, when it's translated from Greek to English, the Greek word is a really complex word, but it means deep in the gut, deep movement in the gut. And when he saw the crowd, he's so deeply moved by who they are and what's going on. And the fact that they just seem so helpless and so lost, and he's just so moved for them. He just wants to do something because they're harassed and they are leaderless. And I'd love to show you Helen, who is the uh, center director of Swaddling Coat Youth for Christ. And uh, Helen uh, was asked to get involved with something by the police as, as, as Youth for Christ because there was a, a drug dealer in the community who was basically attracting young people to him. And he was saying, listen, I know you've got no money. I know that. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a phone number. And I want you to go and take a picture of yourself uh, completely in the nude and then send that picture to this phone number and give them your bank account, and they'll put money into your bank account, and then come back to me, and I will give you drugs, and I will give you a different number. Keep repeating the process. And so there's a whole load of young people caught up in this. And Youth for Christ got involved, and we were able to break that. And then we were able to work with these young people to help them. The local school hears about that, and they're like, you for Christ, we want you in. Helen, we want you in. Come bring your team. And Helen says, okay, I'll come in, but I want to do a, a Christianity Explore class. I want to be able to just set up something. And so she sets up a table in this, in, in this classroom, and she just invites pupils, and loads of them come in, and she just puts Bibles out on the table, and they just come to the Bibles, and she says, let me just read some passages with you. And what was happening at the end of the, the, the time before the, the lunch finished was that they were getting their phones out and they were taking pictures. And Helen said, what are you taking pictures for? She said, well, because we don't have Bibles. But these passages, they're amazing. When I read them, I feel peace. I don't know what this is. I love this. I, and so there were all these kids were taking these pictures and then going home with them. And we heard about this and we gave them more Bibles. So they've all got their own Bibles now. But you have two examples there of technology at work. One used for evil, one used for good. Technology itself is neutral, it's how you use it. The good news of the gospel can be used powerfully through technology. The gospel changes lives when we are willing to step out and give people opportunities to hear about who he is and the difference he, moved, he has. But Helen was moved with compassion for those kids caught up in the trap of a pedophile system and there, from there, they journey to reading the scriptures and taking pictures and taking it home into unchurched homes. Verse 37, a passage that we know well and quote often. Jesus said to his disciples, the harvest is great, but the workers are few. And we, we read that there, the harvest is great, the harvest is massive, the harvest is bountiful. But you know what? When you hear the stat that I gave you, 51% of young people only believe in God, and we see the, uh, the latest census, and we see that the number of people in this country identifying as faith is now less than 50, and we see the trajectory of what's going on with church attendance not here. It's amazing, but generally across this nation, the odds don't look good. And when you look at this kind of narrative, you think, well, Jesus, how is the harvest plentiful? Because it seems the exact opposite here. We were running in a deprived community in Birmingham two, three weeks ago, 
uh, a youth activity, and it had about seven, eight churches involved. They were bringing their groups to it. And as so often occurs with me and my team, technology failed us, and none of the uh, groups got invited. And so we wondered where they all were on that night. We'd set up a massive thing. We were in a local authority building, and uh, no one came. And we're like, oh, that sucks. And then what started to happen is there was a trickle of young people from the community who had no idea that we were running an event, and for whatever reason, they started to come into the building. And before long, that place was packed, absolutely full. None of them invited. None of them knew it was happening. For whatever reason, they were in the building. Now, these guys, they were from gangs. They were drug dealers. This area had a lot of problems. Knife crime, shooting were very common occurrences. And there were some really tough kids, young people, in this environment. And so they did all the activities, and then it was like the guy who was supposed to give the message, like, well, I wasn't expecting this audience. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, but that's your job. Do it. So, uh, <laughs> so, so he gets up, and he says, listen, you need to know something. There's a lot of people contending for your life, and a lot of things contending for your life, and you're from a really deprived community, and the odds are against you succeeding in life, because there's all sorts of people pulling you in all sorts of directions, and you're likely to fail. But this is what you do need to know. There is a God out there who is fighting for you as well. And at that moment, you could have heard a pin drop. Total silence in the room. These are hard young people. And he said, God is fighting for you, and he wants to give you an opportunity, and he wants you to know him. So if you're willing, just stand where you are right now. Not, not, not you. That would be interesting if you did. But, um, and uh, about 15 gang members just suddenly stood up. None of them were expected to be there that night. None of them had heard really the gospel before that. We're now journeying with these 15 young people. See, when Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, he's absolutely right. See, the narrative may well be that 51% of young people say they believe in God. But here's what we really need to understand about what's going on with this generation. This is a generation that just doesn't know about spirituality or who God is. But when given an opportunity, they are just as likely to respond to the gospel as any other generation before them. They simply need people to tell them. And the role of the church has to be an external-looking church that is continually moving outwards, continually embracing and looking for new opportunities, recognizing all around us are young people out there who are overlooked, who we're often quite fearful of, and really all they want is to be loved and to be valued and to be cared for. And we need to recognize they are, they are as open as ever. And our research also tells us this, that... Um, when, when, when young people are just as likely or more likely to respond to the gospel and be influenced by the gospel when it comes from a family member or a friend. Well, how many young people do you have in your family? And how many friends do you have of young people around your mix where we can share who Jesus is? They just want to know. And we're just not telling them. But when we do tell them, something powerful happens. But there's something going on in this nation which is really interesting to me because the next passage says that the workers are few. And that's, 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 that's of massive interest to me that that's the case. And what really the feedback we're getting when we're talking to thousands of churches across this nation is they're all saying the same thing to us, which is we're losing confidence in knowing how to share Jesus and we don't have the volunteers. But the gospel still works. The gospel is just as powerful. The gospel hasn't changed. It's just our own perception of how people see us has changed. And what people really want is for us to be real and authentic and to live our lives, and they get super curious about who we are. 
And when it comes to the notion of, gosh, can I do, can I work? Can I be a volunteer? How does this work when it comes to young people? Well, let me just tell you this. There is a, a, a club in the middle of England that we run. It's a drop-in club for skaters. And these guys really are tough, tough young people. So, so much so that we actually need to have someone at the door that kind of just does a check on them to see if they're carrying knives. And we take the knives off them and then send them home. And so that's the kind of environment. If they don't have knives, they can come in. And this is a really tough place to be with some of the hardest kids you will ever meet or young people you will ever meet. But right in the middle of that club is an old lady, about 85, just sits in a wheelchair and she just prays. And she is the most popular part of that club. Why? Because she loves them and they feel it. And when we go, gosh, what can we do? The reality is that the reason they love and they're drawn to that, that, that elderly lady is because many of them don't have grandparents. Well, here's the good news. The church is full of grandparents. And how we can play a role here, how we can love on our community, how we can be engaged where young people are at, because gosh, we just need to get around them for them to feel that they are loved and valued and wanted. And gosh, the difference we can make in that setting. And you may be going, yeah, but what about, what about my life outside of youth ministry, yeah? All we are asked to do is to be salt and light. All we're asked to do is to be witnesses, to be faithful to Jesus, to live a life that is honoring to him, and people are drawn to us. They just naturally are. We don't need to be preachers. We don't need to be standing up in our classrooms or, or, or our workplaces and preaching. We just need to live for him and just drop in every now and then who we are and what we believe and why we believe it. Verse 38. Oh, uh, have I done 38? No, I haven't. This is a passage that, that actually we probably all go, oh, okay, okay, finally something that I can do. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into the harvest field. And the importance of prayer is massive, isn't it? Um, it's so much more important. Whatever we do starts on our knees. It starts before going to him and saying, Lord, you, your heart breaks for young people and for people in our communities. Lord, would you move so powerfully? And the thing is that when we pray and when we ask God to move, so often he begins to stir something in us and begins to show us ways in which we can be involved. And I just want to encourage you to be a praying community as you are, but to really have young people on your hearts because it really, truly matters. The state and the next generation of the church counts on this generation of young people. And the trajectory isn't good, but it can change because we follow a God of the impossible. So let me conclude, if I may, by uh, just saying this. I was asked to speak at a youth conference, um, and the, the organizers came out and said, listen, uh, we don't want you to give a gospel message at any point this week. It was a week long. I'm like, what do you mean? I work for Youth for Christ. That's kind of all we do. And, 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 and he said, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't want you to do that. Uh, I want you to talk about what it means to be a disciple. And so I said, but surely, no, 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 we've got it covered. They're all following Jesus. It's all good. You just need to tell them how to live. And so I'm a, I, I honor what I'm asked to do. So I do exactly that and uh, spend the whole week with them. And I, it's good. It's been a great week. What it means to follow Jesus and live as a follower of him, et cetera, et cetera. And then I'm, I'm done. And so there's another session they've got, but I'm getting in my car. So I go upstairs, get my bag. I'm going to the door. As I go to the door, this girl, 16-year-old girl, stops me in the, door, in the doorway and she said, listen, you talked all week about what it means to live as a follower of Jesus, but you've not told us how I can know Jesus. And I said, huh, would you like to? Would you like to know him? 
And she said, yeah. So I said, can I just quickly tell you about him? And so I did. I shared the gospel. I talked about the cross and the importance of the cross and who he is to us. I said, would you like to experience him right now for yourself? Yes. So I grabbed the leader who said, you can't give a gospel message. I said, come and pray for her because she wants to come and know Jesus. And even the rocks will cry out, won't they? We need to give every young person an opportunity to become a follower of Jesus. Because here's the good news in all of this. The research told us this. It told us that 33% of young people want, actively want, someone to talk to them about Jesus. One in three welcome you to talk to them about Jesus. That's good news. So let's not hold back. Let's be people who declare who he is, demonstrate who he is, push into environments that may put us out of our comfort zones, but we are going forward because we know the gospel changes lives. At the end, I'm going to stand at the back. I'd love to give you this magazine. It just talks you about you for Christ. It's got more stories in it. Nothing more than that. I'm not asking for anything. I just want to get rid of them. And so um, I'd love to do that if I may, but I'd also love to pray for you. Father, I thank you for this church. I thank you for what happened here last night. I thank you, Lord, for its love and commitment to working in unity with other churches and organizations. I thank you, Lord God, that it has a stirring to see lives changed by you. But Lord God, I pray that you would strategically show them more ways they can do that. And we pray, Father God, and we thank you that there is a harvest out there. And Lord God, would you open our eyes to position ourselves well and truly in the places where lives will respond to you. May we not hold back. May we not hide our light. May we do all we can to shine you so that more and more young people and more and more people in this community come to know you because of our love for you. Would you work in through as we pray in Jesus' name? Amen.